Welcome back to Finest Hours. I'm Braden Cromer, joined as always by my co-host Hayden Hansen and our executive producer Skylar Williams. What is up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's kind of been a while. Yeah, it's been several weeks. Yeah, maybe several been, months. It's been like two and a half, three weeks. It's not been s- several months, though. It has felt like several months. Because the world is crazy right now, but we're not going to go into that because this is supposed to be a distraction. So we're doing something a little different today. Just kidding. We're not. We're doing the same thing we've always been. You tune in for amazing true stories of human achievement and influence. And guess what? You got another one. That was beautiful. I loved that. Who's going to bridge? Who's going to bridge? That's a little bit of a cliffhanger. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to bridge us from intro to subject? Dun, dun, dun. Now, as me and my wife are quarantining, because that's what all we do these days, we started watching a movie on Disney Plus, and ironically, its name is The Finest Hours. How dare they? Unfortunately, they have infringed on our copyright. Actually, <laughs> just kidding. We better not mention that just in case they have one. They, they, it's Disney. Of course they do. You can't show a Disney movie anywhere without getting sued. Can we even mention Disney without getting sued? We might get sued right now. (laughs) No, we're so sad. They were here first. Well, let's be honest. How are they going to survive right now? They can't open their parks. They have to live off of suing people. (laughs) (laughs) They have to live off of Disney Plus. Dude, Disney, I bet the bulk of Disney's profits doesn't come from their parks. I bet it comes from movie releases. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that their parks just scratch the surface of their revenue and their retail like their merchandising is probably crazy that's all crazy a bunch of crazy disney has a lot of money and they own espn yeah they own all sorts of stuff they own like abc too really yeah, yeah they have they're, ABC. they're buying all sorts they're like becoming a monopoly <laughs> so <laughs> america's funniest home videos afe you remember watching that growing up on abc definitely it's on disney plus <laughs> yes <laughs> nice dude i will say i am everything i am surprised how cheap disney plus actually is because disney plus i mean they could have charged a ton of money for their subscription and they didn't which was kind of cool but we bought the three-year thing up front and so it costs like less than it costs like four bucks a month that way well that's not bad you gotta pay it all up front but that's what it comes out to be oof yeah that's how they get you well, yeah, when with Disney Plus owning ESPN, that also means that they're broadcasting our MMA fights, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I, would not, I would not put those two things together, but that's what they do. Whatever makes money, man. Family friendly. Hey. Punching make, people in the face. You, hey, Conor McGregor makes a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, makes, he makes Disney a lot of money, I'm sure. All right, let's let's keep it moving though. Okay, so here we go. We'll get off of we'll get off of Disney Plus and actually get into the subject of our show. Now, the subject of our show is a man called Bernie Weber. So Bernie Weber, he's a coxswain for the Coast Guard back in the 1940s. 
but we're going to take it even a step further back. Bernie Weber was your classic American growing up. He was born in the 1920s, and his family had been in Massachusetts since 1643, 130 years before there was even the United States of America. Nice. Crazy. Nice. Boston in its heyday. I mean, that's so much better than it is Boston of today with, you know, the millions of Patriots fans roaming the streets. I'm sure that (laughs) it's really gone downhill in the last 200 years. Imagine going to a city filled with millions of Patriots fans. Uh, it's just, that's hell on earth right there. Hey, no more. They're all in Tampa now. <laughs> everyone's buying up their Tampa. Everybody's, everybody's everyone's moving to Tampa. <laughs> buying up their Tampa Bay jerseys. I will say this though. Boston sports fans are probably the worst sports fans out there. Because they're the most hardcore? No, because they're jerks. Because Boston sports fans are jerks. And Skyler will agree with me. They're so annoying. I can't tell you how many Celtics things I pop up on my Instagram. And they're like, Jason Tatum's only 22. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) A Patriots fan and a Cowboys fan walk into a bar and everybody else walks out. (laughs) Seriously. People not like the Cowboys? No, no one likes Cowboy fans. No one likes Patriots fans. And if you're not one of those two people, then we'll probably get along really well. We'll keep it moving. Let's go back to Boston <laughs> and, it's, and it's heyday pre-New England Patriots, <laughs> which is the best time to be alive in Boston or visit Boston. Now, Bernie Weber being born in the 1920s is going to be in his early 20s at the start of World War II. Um, and so he ended up serving as a Marine in World War II. But he made the switch to the Coast Guard in 1946. Interesting career choice there. Do we know reasons why? He was a man of the sea. The sea called to him. (laughs) The sea is his lover now. (laughs) It said, Bernie, get yourself over here, you coxswain. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad you found a way to throw that in because I was trying. <laughs> so in the cold, blistery winter of 1952, there was a nor'easter, which... Why would you say that? That's the dumbest word. It, I, that's exactly what I said when I first heard it. I was like, that is a stupid word. And, but what is a nor'easter? This is important. Picture like a gentle snowstorm that everybody on the Northeast coast freaks out about and shuts everything down for just kidding. (laughs) That was for you and your hatred of the people over there. I was like, I was like the Northeast gets some bad weather, but I don't think they really shut everything down. So one of the, uh, they just complain about it. I was actually born in New Jersey. And so my dad was working over there for Toyota corporate and their explanation to me of what it was like over there during the winters. They said that they saw in the news that somebody died because a sheet of ice fell off of a skyscraper and hit them. So like everything freezes, (laughs) stuff falls out of the, I mean, everything freezes, everything's frozen, giant winds enough to knock ice off of buildings and wreck you. And so that's kind of my familiarity on a personal level with it. The National Weather Service says that a nor'easter is a storm along the east coast of North America 
so-called because the winds over the coastal area are typically from the northeast. <laughs> nice. That's why you call it a nor'easter. <laughs> yes, but it, these storms can occur at any time of the year, but are most frequent and most violent between September and April. Ah, oh, that would make sense. Yes. Very good. Storms. Cold, so. freezing, very windy, rain turning into ice. One of my sister's That's flights dumb. for spring break was delayed over on the East Coast because of a nor'easter, and it was delayed by three days. <laughs> uh, I feel like that word should have died like 200 years ago, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's, remains. It's, but. it's from that New England area. So but looks like a nor'easter is coming. That's not a, that's not a New England <laughs> accent. There's a wicked storm coming in. So it's it's pummeling the east coast and there are reports of multiple oil tankers in the area and it's it's known that these types of tankers were as hayden would describe weaker than wet toilet paper (laughs) in the cold and two of the tankers out at sea were literally ripped into two pieces by this storm and so that's one of those things that you find out after you put a bunch of tankers out into service and a big storm comes through and just destroys them. So this actually is now known as one of the weaknesses of these oil tankers. Now, the Coast Guard receives news that there's a tanker that's in distress. Distress. They find out that it's actually been split into two pieces, which is bad news. Boats need to be in one piece to stay afloat. Otherwise, they're similar, going down. Similar to humans. <laughs> you're Big, two pieces. You're much less successful <laughs> in two pieces. <laughs> Big time news coming out of this podcast. Now, Bernie's tasked with attempting a rescue operation. And so they take out a 36-foot lifeboat. And they're going to be required to cross a sandbar called the... This is another Northeastern word. So Chatham. Chatham. Yeah, Chatham. Chatham. Chatham Bar. And so they're going to have to cross that in the storm. And for them, that's basically a death sentence. They're like, yeah, go try to save them. And so nobody was really expecting them to succeed. Um, but luckily, Bernie, he's not alone. He gets a crew of three whole additional people. <laughs> so luckily, that's enough to make a difference for him. But when I first found out, yeah, you four, you, you're just going to go hang out in a life raft and get blown to bits. So did not sound like fun to me. So the other three people that join him are Andrew Fitzgerald, R- uh, Richard Levise, sorry if I'm butchering names, and Irvin Mask. Irvin. Irvin. What a name. As we have stated, Bernie Weber was a coxswain. So a coxswain is a steersman of a ship's boat, lifeboat, racing boat, or basically any other boat. Paper boats. Paper boats. You can be a coxswain for a paper boat. Remote boats. Tugboats. I don't think you need I don't think you need a steerman for a tugboat. Maybe you do. I'm sure you do. I I actually don't know how big a tugboat actually is. It sounds like it's a little boat, but it still sounds like it's big enough to need a coxswain. Every boat needs a coxswain. I don't know much about the sea. <laughs> I live in a, we all lived in a landlocked desert state. We don't know anything about the sea. 
Hey, we live by a lake that's kind of sea-ish. Yeah, we live by a salty lake. That counts for anything. Salty lake, man. That that gives us more know-how than Wyoming. Perhaps (laughs) that makes us bigger experts than Wyoming (laughs) and North Dakota. Maybe I'm sure we could find a university around here that excels in coxin coxinry. Okay, well, anyway, back on the topic. Um, as we diverted to talk about a coxswain again, we want to go back to the lifeboat. This lifeboat that was 36 feet um, was designed to withstand difficult conditions. It was designed to be able to right itself if capsized. So that's pretty cool. Good quality to have. <laughs> yes, especially if you're going to go rescue people in an, what, what is it, a nor'eastern. So it weighs about 20,000 pounds. And if any other boat would have tried to do this and get out past that sandbar, it probably would have been destroyed, as I think we'll talk about the the boat itself as it was crossing the bar kind of got wrecked a little bit. Just a little. It hung in there pretty well. So while they're in the bay, before they leave the bar, before they cross the bar, things are pretty mellow. The movie actually does a great job of portraying how this goes, but things are mellow, things are good, but you can tell that everybody's nervous. They all know that their chances of survival are pretty slim at best, but the crew does a good job of putting faith into their coxswain, Bernie, and Bernie confidently maneuvers the ship towards the bar. Crossing the bar is like trying to sprint into an oncoming and breaking wave and then like trying to maintain that same speed and that sprint. It just doesn't work and it ends up getting pummeled and it's going to be a rough ride. So Weber and his men make it to the bar and Weber is navigating them through. He ends up navigating them very well because they end up surviving. But as they're trying to cross the bar, they get thrown sideways and so the boat is now on its side. It's able to ride itself and is designed to be able to do that, but it also has like a 20-foot wave bearing down on it. So while it's on its side and before it can ride itself, it gets crushed by this huge wave. Now the glass on the ship breaks. The ship, uh, the glass was supposed to act as a windscreen um, for Bernie so that he could maneuver uh, the boat without all of the water and stuff getting in his way and all of that. A compass is also pulled from the boat. And so they lose their only way of navigating in this massive storm. And it's lost to the sea. It's a big deal. By all of that, the crew members remain on board and enter into the open sea. Now, without a compass and in a massive storm, Bernie is tasked with the impossible of finding the back end of an oil tanker that's been split in two that's off the coast somewhere. Good thing he's a hardened coxswain. Which, I mean, it's so easy to get turned around at sea without a compass in a big giant storm. So the fact that they're able to still navigate is crazy. So when the Pendleton... The oil tanker split. The stern retained power for a time, but the bow lost power immediately and sank, causing eight deaths to the crew members. So the stern still has a few hours of power left, and 
the 33 crew members are clinging to just a mere thread of hope that a rescue would be attempted in this nor'easter of a storm, this crazy storm. Life is bleak on the Pendleton. Most of these men are just thinking that they are probably going to die at sea. And amid all of these bleak thoughts comes a small lifeboat. Now Bernie is able to steer the small craft against the stern and the crew members that have survived the tanker split throw down what's called a Jacob's Ladder. And so they're climbing down this Jacob's Ladder in an attempt to get onto a lifeboat that is being thrown back and forth in the waves of the storm. And they keep accepting these survivors from the shipwreck. And it's starting to weigh down the lifeboat. But Bernie refuses to turn any one of the survivors away. 33 of the people that were on board survived the breaking of the ship. And 32 of them survived the transfer from the Pendleton to the lifeboat. The one person that didn't survive got crushed (laughs) in between both boats as he was trying to make his way from the ladder to the lifeboat, which probably would have been hard to to watch and witness for Bernie and then for all the other crew members as they were so close to getting everybody to survive. (laughs) Tough times in the Nor'eastern Oh man. All right. So what's the crazy thing? Oh, you go. Oh yeah, you go. Yeah. No, you go. Tell you me say, the crazy thing. I don't know what the crazy thing is. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is they just stacked 32 people onto this lifeboat. So now there's a total of what? 36 people on this lifeboat. It's designed to hold about a dozen people. Yeah. It's a 36 foot lifeboat. There are yeah. 33 people on it. Yeah. It's it's tight quarters, and so it's heavy. It's hard to navigate. It's cramped. It's chaotic. It's nor'eastern. It's February. Burr. And there might be a Pats fan on there. there might be a Patriots <laughs> fan on there somewhere. <laughs> the crazy thing to me is that Bernie decided to have everybody pile onto that boat. I know that for me, at some point, I would say you know the boat's not going to be able to handle more than this so it's either some or none right and that's kind of what you're gambling on is some of us are going to survive or none of us are going to survive give me there's no way all of us are going to survive he's like yeah because you because you'd be faced with the decision right do you take all these men or do you be like okay so i want the most experienced sailors and we can come back oh and by the way if you're a patriots fan just sorry we're not taking (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. But that's that's what makes this story, right? Is that he has the cool and the he has the ability to say, you know what, I'm gonna take every person that I possibly can. Um, I'm saving everybody and not just you know worried about my own life or a couple of people's lives. Because then we probably wouldn't really know much about this story because it wouldn't be as as fine of an hour. It would be an okay hour. <laughs> Now, Bernie turns this hour into one of the finest hours of U.S. Coast Guard history. (laughs) So this rescue is known as one of the finest small boat rescues in human history. 
Luckily, the tides turn and they're able to cross the bar. The crazy thing is they do that all without a compass. They're not able to really navigate back. In the movie, it says Bernie, <laughs> one of the rescued sailors asks Bernie how he was able to do it. And he said, well, when I was coming out, the wind was on my right. So I put it on my left and went back. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Smart man. And so honestly, like in the dark, stormy weather, no compass, really, that's all you got to go on, which is just crazy. And so he ends up doing it and they make it back into the bay. They're even able to cross the bar. At that point, I would just look to try to crash it on land, which maybe that's what he was thinking. But wherever land comes, like just crash onto it, call that good, everybody out, start walking back. <laughs> but he actually makes it back into the bay. Which, I mean, that's... 32 people. That's very impressive and that's very important because if you just end up in the woods of New England somewhere, then you have to track your way back into safety and... You don't know if you're going to make the, you don't know they if you're going to make it home by there. land either. Oh, the Bigfoot's everywhere. Yeah, there are, there are Bigfoots in all 50 states. and Big feet? Yeah, there are Big feet everywhere. <laughs> Have you guys seen that progressive commercial where Flo is talking to Bigfoot and he's like, what did you call me? My name is Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that sounds great. My name is Daryl. There's, there's Daryls everywhere. But oh, that's great. I think that's less of a concern than the, than the winter February storm. And the other thing on top of all of that is like the waves are crashing down on you. It's snowing on you. Like, oh, that would be, I don't do great in cold or like soaking wet. And so that's just crazy to me. I would have given up on the way out. Like, <laughs> Not my <laughs> cup of tea. And since him and his crew did the impossible and they accomplished the task that was given to them, they were each awarded with the highest decoration from the Coast Guard Service, and it's called the Gold Life Saving Medal. So Bernie would continue to serve his country and would attain the rank of Chief Warrant Officer 4. I don't know really what that means, but it's better than being... I think better than being Chief like Officer a... Warrant 3. I... <laughs> I don't know. I actually I don't, don't know. know. Either, that, sound, that, sounds, that sounds wrong. <laughs> Three might be higher. But he was, no. I think it said that he was like a petty officer or something. And I'm, that just sounds like demeaning. It's a low ranking officer. Yeah. So it's like one of these newbies, like, go out there, try to save the people. If you don't, it was nice meeting you type of a thing. But he's able to do it. He accomplishes it. And he obviously makes a name for himself. Yeah, he's like an assistant to the manager type of level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the other kind of cool things that come about with this, the um, oil tanker destroyed. They end up scrapping it. Um, but the boat that Bernie used in the rescue, I think it's retired in like the 1960s. So it goes on for like 20 years more. Um, and instead of scrapping it or anything like that, they've actually turned it into a museum. Museum? How do you say that? In the Boston accent? Yeah, go ahead and say it. Museum. It's got to have the word wicked in there somewhere. <laughs> it's a wicked museum. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you can have the accent on that type of word. He's got smart pock. 
<laughs> smart park. That's that is right. a stupid, that commercial drives me nuts. That stupid Boston accent. I'm going to play that for you later. Sorry. I'll be nice to the Bostonians. It's just their accent sucks. And so does their football team. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Get out of here. Don't listen. <laughs> what were we talking about? The museum? Yeah, the museum. The museum. Museum. where the boat is today. It's a museum, which I thought was pretty cool. It's a 36-foot museum. <laughs> I bet they make you pay for it, too. <laughs> Not bad. Is it a museum itself, or is it in a museum? I believe it's part of a museum, but it's still floating from the picture I saw. Very cool, though. All the same. It's cool. I like floating museums. Can't say that I've ever been on a floating museum. The world's yet, first, you can't. <laughs> when you go and visit Boston, that's the one place you're going to want to go. The floating museum. And a Patriots game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like Usually I like going into enemy territory, but I can't imagine going to a Patriots game as an away team. Well, then go as a home team. <laughs> uh-uh. Never. Unless the Super Bowl is played there. Guess that's fair. Well, no, it's too cold. Can't play the Super Bowl in New England. It's way too cold in February, as there's we've no learned. Easters. As we've learned from our lesson, there's nor'easters. Not our lesson, our, our episode. Nor'easters. Our lessons too. Somebody close us out. Well, that's Skyler's job. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess that's it, folks. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our beautiful episode on Bernie Weber, the man Bernie. who saved people. I want to do like a uh, like a porky pig, but it'll be all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That's all, folks. Uh, okay, we didn't get to all the socials though. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, thanks for listening. Our episode about Bernie Weber. And we hope you guys enjoyed. And if you didn't enjoy, it's okay. Because maybe we'll have an episode soon. That will be your taste. Anyway, you guys <laughs> should subscribe, rate, review, do all the good stuff. Follow us on at Finest Hours Podcast on the gram. And if you don't have the gram, you should email us if you have some an idea of someone that we can talk about in an episode at finesthourspod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know if you guys like the episodes. We want to give you the content that you deserve. That's right. That's it, dude. Do we have a do we have a Boston goodbye? Get out of here. Get, Get out of here. here. <laughs>